Greetings to all our listeners from the Agwazasne Mohawk Territory, straddling the three borders of what is now Ontario, Quebec, and the United States, and from the Quebec Native Women's Organization. My name is Sherry Osnaawi Jacobs, and I am your host. I am the Digital Information Coordinator on Family Violence in an Indigenous Context at the Quebec Native Women's Organization, situated in Ganawagi, Quebec. This podcast is the fourth of a series of Ideally Bilingual Podcasts on Family Violence in an Indigenous Context. I use the term family violence as domestic violence, intimate partner violence, or conjugal violence affects the whole family and not just the victim and the aggressor. The goal is to help spread awareness about the concept of family violence in an Indigenous context that includes the roles of colonization, assimilation and cultural genocide toward the Indigenous peoples in Canada, as well as to highlight organizations and resources that help victims, family members and concerned community members. The website sosviolenceconjugal.ca, all one word, is an excellent resource for learning and coping with family violence. And the website is available in 28 languages, including Algonquin, Cree, Inuktitut, Inu Amun, and Ganyageha, that is Mohawk. They have a 24-hour, 7-days-a-week hotline, a chat feature, and have been in service for 35 years. They are the gateway to any service needed, such as Indigenous women's shelters. Their number is 1-800-363-9010. On our Quebec Native Women's website, you will find the Nonviolent folder under the Files tab, where there is a drop-down menu and the Nonviolent folder is the second option. There we have a toolbox with several materials that are designed to equip workers who work with Indigenous women, girls, two-spirited people, and families in abusive situations. You will find resource directories, awareness tools, campaigns, and educational materials for social workers and women shelters. To receive free printed material or to contribute to the toolkit, contact us by email at materialfac-qnw.org or you can call Julia Dubay, our coordinator for the development of material on nonviolence at 450-632-0088, extension 257. Some future topics of this podcast series will include an exploration into the different forms of violence, where I will be seeking participants who wish to share their personal stories. I can be reached at 450-632-0088, extension 224. Back to the future topics, including forced sterilization of Indigenous women across Canada, and a three-part series on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, to name a few. My project is tentatively entitled A Hidden Crisis, as Indigenous history and issues are not generally taught in the mainstream educational curricula and institutions. Today I will be interviewing Michelle Cook, the Program Manager for the Three Sisters Domestic Violence Program in Agwazasne, and she will be discussing her background, her organization's mission statement, some goals, staff training, community outreach and awareness events, as well as some great activities at the women's shelter there in Agwazasne, and what, in her view, makes the organization and its program unique.
Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your family, clan, nation, academic background, and your journey on how you came to be the executive director of this organization? Okay. So, yeah, I'm a mother of two, been married for almost 10 years. My husband's actually a tribal police lieutenant. I'm Wolf Clan of the St. Regis Mohawk tribe, and my whole family is from the area. I received my bachelor's in criminal justice from SUNY Potsdam and my master's in criminal justice from Boston University. And I also completed a fellowship at the University of Vermont Med School in neurodevelopmental disabilities. So I've been working with the St. Regis Mohawk tribe for 18 years now. I started out in disabilities and then I worked for about six years at the Akwesasne Group Home. So we're working with, um, you know, youth who are vulnerable. Okay. And then I went back into the disabilities field for about 10 years, but my passion's always been in the criminal justice field. Um, I actually originally went to school for forensics, but I had a really hard time with like the infant and child mortality. Um, So I had to refocus on just general criminal justice. Um, But when the opportunity came up for the program manager's position for the community advocacy program where I work now, I absolutely had to take it. Our community advocacy program consists of two programs right now, our Three Sisters Domestic Violence Program, as well as our Family Advocate Program. And then this year, at some point, we will be adding transitional housing. Oh, very good. So that would be like to supply victims with their own housing? Yes. Part of it will be domestic violence victims with, you know, longer term housing and then long term supports for sustainable housing. And also we will be providing transitional housing for people who are coming out of substance abuse, rehabilitation, or people who are formerly incarcerated. That's wonderful. Very glad to hear that. Thank you. What is your organization's mission statement and some goals? So the Three Sisters mission statement is always here to protect, empower, and guide our sacred families. Our goals here really are to assist victims who are in crisis, uh, provide them with safety and security, and help them to understand their victimization and begin the healing process. We also provide education on domestic violence and sexual assault, referrals, and try to help them start over fresh. We try our best to empower our clients to take back control of their lives because when they've been in a situation like that, they've often not had control for some time. So this can mean, you know, finding a new place to live, helping them with education, training or employment referrals, obtaining child care, transportation assistance, whether, you know, we're fixing somebody's car or we're providing the uh, transportation ourselves. And basically just meeting their immediate needs to get them out of crisis and back on their feet. Um, so prevention is another goal. We reach out to the community at events. We provide community education to help people recognize the signs of abusive relationships and tell them where to go to seek help. Very good. What traditional values guide your organization's employees? So... We're guided basically by the principles of our society, our matriarchal society, and that it is our tradition to uphold the women in our community, offer them respect and dignity. So we want to ensure that the next seven generations are also protected. We want to break the cycles of abuse and do our part to help the community heal from all the generational trauma. 
Okay. Might you have specific administrative procedures for admissions and discharges? What are the more challenging ones? For example, what happens if the shelter is at full capacity? Might there be another emergency accommodation available? Yes. So the clients can enter the program in a couple of ways, uh, either as a result of a crisis call, referral from police or another agency, or through self-referrals. There's an initial crisis intake and then a more extensive one when the client's no longer in active crisis. And our shelter has five rooms. One of them is handicap accessible. And there are two upstairs family bedrooms. And then we have two for singles. We only serve women directly in the shelter. But if the shelter is full or if there's a male client in need of shelter services, we partner with local hotels to provide safe accommodations for them. That's wonderful. Do you have a geographical region that is covered by your women's shelter? Are there exceptions for women from out of the region? Yeah, we try to serve um, everybody within a 15-mile radius of the territory on both sides of the border. But we can accommodate those who live in the surrounding areas, Messina, Malone, Brushton, areas like that. We've also worked with clients who have moved to the area from other states. They don't have to be a member of our tribe and they don't have to be indigenous um, to be served here at our at our program. That's wonderful. How do you think women come to know about the shelter if or when shelters do not advertise nor disclose the shelter's location? So Three Sisters has been in operation since 1996. So the program and its services are fairly well known to our community. But women are often referred by, you know, law enforcement, local social services who know of the program. And the shelter itself is an undisclosed location, but the community is aware that there is a shelter. We do outreach activities and awareness events to the community so that they know of our services that we provide. And we also advertise our services on the local radio station, CKON. Okay, I didn't know that. Yep. What do you believe is the most common form of violence that the women here experience? Or is it often a combination of a few types of violence? So based on our data, um, it indicates that physical violence is the most common type, but it's usually coinciding with other forms of abuse, such as control, intimidation, uh, coercion, using children as a form of manipulation, and financial abuse. And about one in four cases are usually sex assaults as well. What kinds of activities might there be for the women staying at the shelter, such as arts and crafts nights, book clubs, movie nights, cooking classes, etc.? So at the shelter, we do have arts and crafts available, beading, sewing. We have sewing machines. We have smart TVs in every room. About a year and a half, two years ago, a walking trail was actually installed around the building. Nice. To have a nice safe space for them to go for a walk without having to be out on the road. Um, right now, we're working on developing a life skills curriculum. And so that would include meal planning and cooking, household budgeting, food cultivation and preservation, and even uh, positive parenting skills. Um, and in the warmer months, we have a garden every year where we grow our own vegetables that we use in the shelter. And then we have future plans to create a dedicated sewing and crafting area where the women can make their beadwork, ribbon skirts, moccasins. And then we're trying to develop a safe space for um, exercise equipment, yoga and Pilates mats too. Okay. 
And then uh, we are in the process right now of implementing a restorative meditation program, which will be a six-week class that's offered about four times a year. And it will focus on healing through meditation. And we have one of our local women who've been certified in that to uh, teach the class. Oh, that's great news. Mm -hmm. Okay. Might the staff engage in training from time to time, such as dealing with addictions and healing or how to support victims of violence, something of that nature? Yep. So all the staff here have a few mandatory trainings. They have a 40-hour domestic violence uh, training and then a 40-hour sexual assault training, uh, mandated reporting, trauma-informed care. And our safe home staff are also certified in supervised visitation. Uh, we That's another service that we provide is supervised visitation and exchanges. Okay. Um, so our funding agencies also provide training throughout the year on various topics. And, you know, we get email updates from the uh, training and technical assistance agencies. There's specific trainings in areas such as providing services to two-spirit or LGBTQ clients, clients who have uh, physical or developmental or intellectual disabilities, elders, mental health and addictions, and legal advocacy as well. And over the past year, the staff and I have all attended conferences either virtually or in person, a lot of them on topics that are related to the more underserved populations. And then some of the conferences are very Indigenous specific. What do you believe makes your organization unique in terms of its program, its personnel and its offerings? So currently we're the only program in Franklin County that offers a safe home shelter. Um, I think the nearest one is Renewal House in Canton and then there's another one all the way out in Plattsburgh, New York. And at this time, all of our staff are enrolled members of our tribe. Okay. Um, And they're members of our community as well. We provide our services both in person and virtually. It's up to the client how they want their services to uh, be handled. We also offer some culturally specific programming. We make referrals to our traditional medicine program, the Seven Dancers Coalition, which is one of our collaborative partners, um, or our traditional support programming. Uh, We offer smudging and sweats for anybody who's interested. And when we conduct our community events, um, we try to include traditional openings, prayers, and songs or dances if they're appropriate. We hope to continue to do the work that we're doing and then expand services as well. Um, Maybe in the future offer more transitional housing or offer maybe a batterer's intervention program to continue breaking those cycles of abuse to help our men heal as well. Right. Um, But right now, a lot of it has to be done through the referral process. Okay. But we're always looking for opportunities where we can grow and we can offer more to the community. Great. Okay. Thank you very much, Michelle. Did you have anything else you might have wanted to add? No, I just want to say that I'm very, very proud of my staff over the last year. They've gone through a lot of changes, um, whether it's, you know, policy and personnel. Um, They've done a really great job um, coping with all of that and making their way through our transition periods. Um, They're all excited to do more um, and be able to put on more community activities, do a lot more outreach within the community. And I have to say, I'm very, very proud of the staff here. Um, they're doing a really excellent job. Um, and we're always here to help. So if anybody needs services, we're just a phone call away. 
Okay. And uh, what what is your number? So our number here is uh, 518-358-4406. And after hours, we have uh, a pager. So if somebody's in need, they can call tribal police and they can contact our on-call caseworker. I see. Okay, I guess that's everything for today. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Sure.